the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel uh, filling in for Seth as we are in our last hour here at 5 p.m. in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. I don't know the weather's like in New York, but we have Carol Markowitz on who has been dogged in her delving into the depravities of Governor Andrew Cuomo. Uh, she knew from the start that all the media praise for him at the start of this COVID mess uh, was misplaced. How are you doing, Carol? Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. Now, um, finally, um, it seems like Cuomo is getting his comeuppance. Yeah. Um, and it has been so long. And someone who has been on it from the start is you. So why don't you tell us yeah. about what's going on with him right now? Um, so, you know, I, I have to admit that uh, in March, I was also like, oh, this guy seems like he's, you know, stepping up to the plate. He seems like he's doing a better job. Um, and I, I even enjoyed the, the Como brother, you know, social hours uh, on television. But it got old really fast. And by April, I was already saying that he did not have a plan for reopening. He was doing really kind of crazy things. Um, he kept clashing with the mayor of New York City, who I had previously thought was the worst politician in New York, but now <laughs> I'm you know, just not so sure anymore. Um, so, you know, by April, it was clear that all of this praise was not deserved. And um, with the nursing home situation that Jenna Zine did a great job bringing to light, it was obvious that he was going to have a fall. It just nobody knew exactly when or how. Um, because he was up on this insane pedestal that he could not possibly maintain. Yeah, it has been um, amazing to see his fall from grace. And yeah, Janice Dean uh, covers weather for Fox News. Uh, she lost her in-laws, right, who were in a nursing yes, home. Both and uh, uh -huh. the fateful decision of Andrew Cuomo, instead of, I don't know, sending them to, uh, wasn't there a big installation in Central Park they could have sent them to? Yeah. The big Navy hospital ship was there. No, let's send COVID-positive patients directly into nursing homes so they can mingle with the most vulnerable people in the entire nation. Right. But the thing is, had he said early on, I'm sorry, this was a mistake. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just scared and, you know, blundered this and we're so sorry. I think it would have went away. Um, but what ended up happening is he kept denying that anything happened. Uh, Janice Dean kept pushing that the numbers were not the numbers. And a lot of us were saying that. Like, I uh, was on TV a lot talking about how New York was the only state that counted nursing home deaths differently. We count uh, if somebody dies in the nursing home, there are nursing home deaths. But if you die on the way to the hospital, hospital or in the hospital, you're not counted as a nursing home death. So he... Was, he managed to make the numbers better than they were, and then there was a chorus of people who were saying even these numbers are not true. Um, and they, it turned out to be the case. It turned out to be that he was covering up the numbers, and that was because you know his one of his aides recently said they were afraid of Trump's tweets and they were afraid of the Justice Department coming after them. Well, 
now they are anyway. So here we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was their job um, in Albany to come after the Trump administration. They did not want the tables turned exactly. Well, right. one, one thing that I've noticed just from afar, living on the other side of the country, is in the past you've had people like yourself, like Janice Dean, a few other conservatives calling out Andrew Cuomo on this stuff. Now you're seeing it coming from elected Democrats. It's like everyone's turning on them all at once. Right. Well, I feel like that's what happens, right? Uh, it, you, you can only ignore it for so long before the dominoes start falling. And it's been interesting because obviously these Democrats have had interactions with him in the past. He's known as a very abrasive, threatening figure. And they had experienced that themselves. And I think they've just kind of had enough. Um, Assemblyman Kim, who's very prominently uh, challenging formal right now, also lost family in nursing home. I believe it was his mom. Um, so he has a personal issue here, and he is, you know, wanting the truth from the governor. And what, what ended up happening was the Cuomo aide apologized only to elected Democrats and in New York and said, I know we put you guys in a tough position, but we did lie about the numbers, and here's the truth. And that's really where the story broke open, because the Democrats went to the press, and that was the end of that. Yeah, it is just amazing. And you have all these, uh, well, sexual harassment allegations, at least, um, mm-hmm. joining the pylon, but it just seems like, and again, I'm on the other side of the country. I don't know the TikTok of what's going on in Albany, to say the least, but he just always seemed like a bully, and now yeah. all this evidence is coming out that, oh, yeah, and here are actual things that he's done. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the sexual harassment allegation is not new. It's from December. She uh, has added to her account of that and sort of has given more detail now, but uh this woman, Lindsay Boland, came out in December and said that Cuomo sexually harassed her. So it's not like she kind of waited for this moment, and now now that he's kind of fallen from grace, that she's adding to that story. She was saying it for a while now. It was just she was being largely ignored. When she first made the allegation in December, I pointed out that she didn't trend on Twitter. Like It was the real story. Um, but now, obviously, she trends on Twitter, and it's it, it, it's accepted that she has a story to tell, and some people are standing with her. So it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now, he has been – I was kind of amazed because I'm like, gosh, he's been in office a long time, but I checked it out. Uh-huh. Ten years the guy's been in charge. Yeah. And um, how does Albany work? Because once again, from the outside, it looks like Clearly. a lot of self-dealing, <laughs> kind of very much like Springfield in Illinois. It's just you have a couple uh-huh. power brokers and you massage the right yeah. hands and boom, you got your the money that you want. Um, does this really hurt uh, Cuomo's ability to just kind of lean on people and keep that party machine going? Yeah. So the question is, and, and the bigger problem, I think, especially for conservatives like me in New York, is that Cuomo is sort of the moderate. And so um, the left has their guns blazing for him because they want somebody more to the left running the state. So it's a tough situation. Uh, but in general, Democrats run everything in New York. So I, I don't know that they're going really do anything about him um and ultimately he still does have a lot of power and a lot of you know kind of backroom possibilities so i I don't know i i I wouldn't say this is the end of him and i think that if the election was held tomorrow he'd win again crazy as that sounds 
But that's something with dysfunctional states uh, that, you know, they need to get really bad before they vote out people like Andrew Cuomo. And I hope New York doesn't get that bad, but I also hope, you know, New Yorkers face it faster than, than other states have. Right. And explain the dynamic. It's been amazing, especially over the past year, watching the dynamic between Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio, who, again, you would think in normal partisan terms, oh, well, they're both Democrats, they're allies, they're buddies. And uh, that is not exactly the case between those two. Yeah. So it's actually, it's funny because it's it's a common dynamic in New York. The governor and the mayor um, have sometimes been from the same party and hated each other. Governor Pataki and Giuliani was another example of that. Um, so, yeah, they openly dislike each other. Cuomo takes just open pleasure in macking Bill de Blasio down. But the truth is, and this is, you know, the craziest thing I ever have ever said, is that Bill de Blasio has done a better job during the <laughs> pandemic than Cuomo has. And <laughs> it's, it's harder, it's extremely difficult for me to admit that, um, but it, it's a fact. Um, I've written about this for The Examiner where, Everything, Bill de Blasio would say something like, oh, New York is going to lock down. And then Cuomo would be like, no, we're not. And then two days later, he'd be like, yes, we are. Or Bill de Blasio would say, we need to start wearing masks in the street. And Cuomo would say, no, we don't. And then like a few days later, he'd be like, okay, now we need to start wearing masks in the street. And he did this with so many things. One of the things with schools, um, Bill de Blasio said schools were going to stay closed through the end of the school year. Last year, Cuomo said very famously, um, he didn't close the school. He can't open the school. Now I'm the only one in charge of the school. So, and then, you know, again, two days later, he had to say, okay, schools are staying closed for the rest of the year. But then when it was time to open the school, Cuomo was nowhere to be found. And he still isn't. He still pretends somebody else's role to uh, direct what goes on in schools. But he's ultimately in charge, as he told us in April. And Bill de Blasio has pushed to open schools way more than Governor Cuomo has. And Unbelievable to me that, you know, like Bill de Blasio did a better job than somebody, but here we are. <laughs> right, right. Can you stay with us for one more segment? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd love you to uh, talk more about your latest article in the New York Post, everyone should read, is about Richard Carranza resigning. Yeah. And I'd love to know more about uh, his brilliant track record um, <laughs> in uh, running schools in New York City. So we will be back yeah. with Carol after the break. Um, everybody read her article. Just go to the New York Post. Look for Carol Markowitz. It's a fantastic piece. And we will be back to talk about the state of play in New York. Be back after these messages. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth this Friday drive time. We have Carol Markowitz on who has been following closely everything going on in New York City and New York State. Um, She wrote today about a fellow named Richard Carranza, uh, who is the New York City Schools Chancellor. Uh, One of the benefits we have way out here in the desert in Arizona is uh, something called school choice. Uh, Parents actually have a say, and my kids, I have two daughters, and they toggled between public and charter schools, and they got a great education at both. Um, It sounds like Richard Carranza, who just resigned, uh, didn't have that great a track record. Why don't you tell us about him? So he came from the San Francisco school system, and before that he was in the Houston school system. So I just want to, as a warning to cities out there, do not hire this guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's not good at his job. He's really terrible. 
Um, and I think a lot, I think the cities, you know, knew that. Um, for some reason we decided to hire him anyway. So he is the epitome of a school chancellor who's focused entirely on wokeism and not at all on um, bettering the school system. So in New York, we have this thing called gifted and talented. I don't know if you have that in Arizona. Um, gifted and talented classes, then we have gifted and talented standalone schools. We mm-hmm. don't have that many of them. It's pretty small. Um, something like 1% of kids or something go attend these kinds of classes. It's um, a bright spot in an otherwise not great school system. Um, so he set as his main goal to get rid of that of those kinds of classes because why would any school have a screening process, he calls it, um, where you have to apply and have good grades or high test scores. Of course, his own daughter went to that kind of school in San Francisco, and, of course, his staff also sends their kids to that, those kinds of schools. It's just the rest of us are super racist for wanting that kind of thing for our kids. Um, so he and Bill de Blasio together have really... Um, had a major negative impact on the New York City school system in the name of equity. And, you know, I, I get that, like, New York and San Francisco, they, they seem like they're far away and they're, um, you know, these crazy leftist places, and, you know, that could never happen anywhere else. But I see this creeping into school systems all across the country. I see wokeism and, um, you know, critical race theory becoming part of curriculum all over the place and in places that you wouldn't imagine. Um, so I think the warning uh, that I'd love to, you know, send to your listeners is be careful of this kind of stuff. It's not just limited to New York. It's not just limited to the Richard Carranzas of the world. It is coming to towns and cities near you. If parents don't fight it, it's going to take over. Yeah, it really will uh, attack everywhere. And you just look at around the country, regardless of the state. Um, people who live in cities, uh, it doesn't matter what states they're in, they, they share yeah. a lot of the same viewpoints. So if you're in downtown Phoenix or you're in San Jose or you're in, you know, you name it, Manhattan, you're going yeah. to share a lot of priors, especially when people have gone through education administration training at the exact same conferences. They went to the exact same exactly. universities. So they right. there's a hive mind there and it will invade everything, even – Charter schools, we've seen it happen repeatedly at oh, those. Yeah. They are not a cure-all private schools. You have some of the wokest schools in the country. Gosh, go up to Marin County Absolutely. in California. Um, they're beyond woke. You know, uh, Carranza yeah. would just drop dead saying, wow, okay, you guys have taken it way <laughs> too far here. Right. Megan Kelly famously pulled her kids out of New York City private schools over this kind of thing. Um, so it, it's really, it's true that nowhere is abused. It just, he um, came in saying that he was going to push equity, and he did nothing to make the bad schools better. He just made the good schools worse. So maybe equity was achieved after all. Right, right. Uh, Leveled everyone to the same base level. Um, Just in my experience, because I remember, I don't know if Arizona still has gifted and talented. Uh, We had it when I was in, like, middle school and high school. Um, But one of my closest friends, he grew up on the south side of Chicago, very rough neighborhood, just under the shadow of Cabrini Green, this infamous tenement that uh, government did to – as urban renewal, which was just a nightmare, had to live out of his car for a while as high school. And the guy's a genius. Um, He ended up – after being in the gifted and talented programs there in Chicago, he was given a chance. He got – he focused on a twin major in philosophy and technology – 
because he wanted to go work on artificial intelligence and he, he needed both sides. So yeah. obviously an incredibly brilliant guy who would not have been given a chance had he just right. you know been thrown into the general population of your average public school in the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is that, you know, I, like even if I don't think my kids are like geniuses or something, um, I think that the curriculum is too easy. It's, it's, my kids skate, and I don't want that. I want them to work hard. So, like, if you need to call it gifted and talented, that's fine with me. But you could just offer parents a more rigorous curriculum, and we would take it without calling our kids gifted or talented. Like, it's right. fine. They're not, they don't have to be gifted or talented. Just give them harder work. And a lot so, of students, yeah. uh, they fail because they're not challenged. You know, you see that again and again. Exactly. You know, I was, uh, you know, the pre-Ritalin era, I was hyperactive. Uh, you know, now it's ADHD. They just called me a spaz and, John, shut down and sit <laughs> up is about all I got. But that was a frustration with me and many other students. It's just like I'm not being challenged. You know, I finished the homework yeah. before the school was out. Right. Yeah, and, and the, an unchallenged kid, it, you know, has potential to do, you know, bad things because they're like not doing, they're not working, they're not struggling. I want my kids struggling. I, mm-hmm. I say this all the time, and I I just don't see it in school systems across the country. I see a very dumbed down curriculum that is just not even comparable to other countries. I mean, there's no reason why Americans should not be doing. A curriculum comparable to Europe. Like, Europeans are not smarter than us. They're just doing harder work earlier, and we should be too. And yeah, if you have kids who are kind of self-selecting and they've finished everything in minutes and want more, yeah. heck, get, provide them a way to do more. Yeah. Whether it's a magnet yeah. school or you know, if they want to focus on STEM, if they want to focus on arts, whatever they want, give them that opportunity. It's just crucial for their development to achieve the greatness that you know. Frankly, most kids are destined for if they only grasp at it. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. and wokeness. Absolutely stands in the way of that. Completely, completely, because it tells kids that they are victims, and that's the cruelest yeah. thing you could possibly do to a kid. Um, to just to say you'll never amount to anything. The system is rigged against you. Uh, just be aggrieved yeah. all the time. And if you know anything about behavioral psychology, one of the big things is um, CBT. I think it's called. It's not CRT. But um, it's a theory that just says, hey, take it, uh, take control of your emotions, take control of how you react to things. And that's one of the crucial ways to get people to a healthy mental frame of mind is just to understand, no, I'm not a victim. I can actually control my thoughts. I can actually control my yeah. self-esteem and get ahead. Well, where can people find your work, Carol? I know you're in the New York Post, but where else can people read yeah. your stuff because it's mean- all great? They can follow me at K-A-R-O-L. It's just my first name on Twitter, and I post it all on there. All right. Fantastic. Follow her on Twitter. I've been following her for years. Great to finally chat with you, Thank you. after all so these years. Yeah. Yes. And we will uh, talk to you later. And thanks again for this great article. Thanks so much Thank for listening, you. everyone. We are going to a break. Catch you on the other side. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I'm John Gabriel, filling in for Seth for one additional half hour. If you want to call in, we got a little time left, 602-508-0960, right here on 960 The Patriot. And thanks again to Seth for inviting me on. Um, you have him to blame if you did not enjoy the past two and a half hours 
in the remaining 30 minutes. But thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully everybody's getting home from work now, getting ready for the weekend, and to relax and have a good time. But first, another crazy story. This one's from the Daily Wire. And apparently, Dr. Seuss is being canceled. Why? Because he's a filthy racist. That's right. Uh, you have a group called Learning for Justice, uh, a group I've written about in the past, about a year ago. Uh, they were one, They were some of the people saying, no way can we possibly reopen schools, and we don't care that teen suicide rates are going up, that mental health issues are going up, that kids who live in abusive homes are being hurt. No, we don't care. We don't care about these kids because we are learning for justice. Apparently, they don't want the kids to learn. But um, they are very upset because there's something called Read Across America Day. And a prominent Virginia school district, Loudoun County, right near uh, the Beltway there, uh, definitely a bunch of insiders, wealthy insiders who live in Loudoun County, um, Learning for Justice has ordered them, and they've agreed, to stop connecting Read Across America Day with Dr. Seuss. Traditionally, this uh, national semi-holiday, I guess you could call it, uh, was held on his birthday because he was so important to kid lit and uh, getting kids to read. Well, no, he's been canceled now, folks. Uh, you cannot read Dr. Seuss for your kid. Um, maybe with Horton Hears a Who, there's Who supremacy going on here. Um, but yeah, here is their statement. Realizing that many schools continue to celebrate Read Across America Day in recognition of Dr. Seuss' birthday, it's important for us to be cognizant of the research. Uh, we just need to be more culturally responsive and racially conscious. And as everybody knows who's read Green Eggs and Ham, there's serious racial undertones in all the books written and even the illustrations provided by Dr. Seuss. Um, I've never noticed that. Maybe I just have too much white privilege and I'm conditioned to have white supremacy, but um, I don't really notice people being white or brown or black or anything. They were, they were multicolored. Uh, you had the cat in the hat. You had the famous who's. You had Sam I Am. And I don't remember going through a social justice, racial injustice checklist as I read it to my kids or as I read those books as a kid. But yeah, Learning for Justice says that Dr. Seuss's literature is rife with Orientalism, anti-blackness, and white supremacy. Of course it is. Of course, Dr. Seuss, when he was writing Green Eggs and Ham, um, had his Whites as the Master Race um, textbook there next to him, maybe a copy of Mein Kampf or uh, a KKK brochure uh, with lots of misspellings, I assume those had back in the day. But um, yeah, once again, they've lost their mind. And this is the problem with the left is – they are just going to turn off people. And when people like Joe Biden and other prominent Democrats feed into this garbage, this critical race theory that they're pushing on America, the vast majority of Americans, and I don't care if they have a D after their name, the vast majority of, of Americans are simply rolling their eyes. Sorry, Dr. Seuss is not racist. Um, he actually fought Hitler. He was done uh, – one of his first jobs is doing anti-Hitler propaganda – um, that's where he kind of uh, worked on his style. And then he went to children's literature. And I'm sorry, I love the dude. Uh, great fondness for Go Dog Go as well, but Green Eggs and Ham, come on. This is a classic. We can all agree. I even have a copy of Oh, the Places You'll Go in Latin. Uh, my brother um, wanted to annoy me with that book, and I've actually read it, and I don't really understand Latin. 
Um, I I just read it so I could I don't know maybe people would think I was smart uh, reading classic Latin works of uh, the Roman Silver Age like Doctor Frickin' Seuss. So yeah, if you have any books by him, I assume there's going to be a book burning that Learning for Justice can hold and uh, get that white supremacist literature kitty lit out of uh, classrooms immediately. What's crazy about this is anyone looking at this just rolls their eyes and says these people are crazy. But you have school administrators like in Loudoun County, Virginia, again, very wealthy, uh, profitable uh, jobs that they have there in the school districts, and they're taking these idiots seriously. Um, they should not be taken seriously. They should be laughed out of the room. And uh, if these school administrators want to hold on to any of their students without parents pulling their kids to go to private charter homeschooling, uh, they got to get their act together. We have a very brief break here. Again, give us a call, 508 960 Area code 602, and we can talk to you on the other side. We'll take a quick break, and I'll be back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. This is John Gabriel filling in for Seth. Thanks for listening. Uh, hope you're getting ready for a wonderful weekend. couple more things to cover here in our last 20 minutes or so. I don't even think that, 15 minutes or so. Um, this COVID relief bill that the Democrats are trying to push, it's ridiculous. At our ad breaks, you've heard some ads about how silly this thing is. And uh, the advertiser is correct. It is silly. It is ridiculous. It is horrible. And they really need to stop spending this money when it doesn't need to be spent. $1.9 trillion, that's what it is right now as it works its way through Congress. Some pe people think that it'll be higher. Others think it might be a little lower, but um, this is way too much money, especially when so much of the last uh, huge investment, multi-trillion dollar investment, um, hasn't been spent yet. It's just ridiculous. It's been estimated that about 4% of this funding goes to directly to combating COVID. It's absolutely insane. We are going to be, in the next year or two, $30 trillion in debt. You cannot sustain this. Uh, there's a reason. I am not uh, the biggest genius when it comes to monetary policy and stock markets and all this good stuff. But there's a reason Bitcoin and these cryptocurrencies are going through the roof right now. It's because people, especially smart people living in the tech world, they don't trust the U.S. dollar. They know that this cannot go on. They cannot just keep printing more money and printing more money without bad things happening. Uh, we had the real estate bubble. That collapsed in 2008. And everybody in D.C. and everybody on Wall Street said, oh, we'll never let this happen again. This was horrible. We were giving out mortgages too easy. We have to stop doing it. What is one of the things that Joe Biden promised if he was elected? He would make it easier for people to borrow money to get into homes that they can't really afford. That was one of his promises. And you know that he's going to follow through on it because it's all about equity and justice instead of the boring world of two plus two equals four. Um, what I've been concerned about basically since 2008 with this massive national debt that we have is you're going to have the debt bubble burst. We saw the real estate bubble burst. You're going to see the debt bubble burst. And at this point, there's no one else to borrow money from. Uh, we have printed money like crazy. Uh, there's only so much printing you can do. 
What do you think China is going to loan us money if we hit the rocks financially? Of course not. They're not going to do it. They'll have us right where they want us. I remember years ago, the comedian and conservative Dennis Miller said, uh, "The second that uh, the second that we hit some rough water, uh, China is going to call in their chips, and we'll all be working in the MSG mines." And I have uh, completely believed that they have us over a barrel, and. It's going to be very, very ugly. So all I can say, my personal advice, is uh, get out of personal debt as much as you can. Some people say, oh, it's actually better to owe money when we're in a bad economy, especially if a debt bubble bursts. Well, yeah, I, I want to sleep at night, though. So uh, clean, up your, uh, <laughs> clean up your financial house because it could be some rough seas ahead that we see here. And I think, too, you see, you talk to people. I know uh, Peter Robinson. He was a speechwriter for Reagan. He's one of the founders of Ricochet, the site where I am editor-in-chief. And he said, you know, he lives in the Stanford area. He works for the Hoover Institution, which is based out of Stanford. And he talks to younger tech people all the time. And he asks why they aren't more involved in politics, especially if it finds out that a lot of them are hidden conservatives up there who are afraid to share their opinion. They said there's no way I'm getting into politics. They're not solving anything. They are refusing to solve anything. And maybe with tech, maybe I can create an application or an algorithm that will actually help people. And uh, they don't trust the dollar. They are just not investing big in America's future. And it's because we have these ludicrous policies like this $1. trillion in printed imaginary money that will just get us more into debt. And it's mostly just a Democrat wish list. That's all this thing is. It's bailing out blue states who have cratered their own economies, who have handled the pandemic horribly, and before the pandemic, handled it horribly as well, handled everything horribly. Uh, you have these incredible, incredibly strong teachers union are a good example, but public sector unions, they basically run the state of California. And all of them are going to be cashing in their retirement funds these are unfunded liabilities. They cannot pay all these people's retirement wages because they're so insanely lucrative. When you're almost paying someone as much to be retired as to show up to work every day, I'm sorry, it's not sustainable. And there's no reason that uh, taxpayers here in the Phoenix area should be paying to bail out Illinois, New York State, California. They have made their, made their beds. They should have to lie in them. And they should not be rescued by hardworking taxpayers in flyover country when they are the ones who got themselves into this horrible situation. So we will see how this turns out. Um, I, I think it's kind of difficult from a conservative perspective as far as financial relief. They're talking now about uh, Biden had promised $2,000 checks. Now he's saying $1,400 checks. Um, and it's tough to argue against it from a mere debt issue because the government declared that everybody needs to stay home and shut down offices and shut down their service industry jobs. And yes, they bear some, <laughs> they bear uh, the cost of that and they should help out the American people. Uh, people have been really struggling. Um, I'm in one of those fortunate situations where I can work from home. It's not a big deal. But I have friends who, you know, running the small restaurant, uh, running the little coffee house that was of their dreams, that has been in their dreams for decades now. They finally opened it and they got hammered. Uh, you can see restaurants, independent restaurants, closed all over the valley, all over the state, and all over the country. And government needs to protect those people since government policy produced their collapse. That is what damaged them. 
Um, but on the other hand, we know that the Democrats just want to send money to their preferred people to keep the grift going, basically. If you are well-connected to Democrats, you will get a pile of cash. Um, it cannot work, and they know it won't work. They just want another payoff before the whole thing craters. Um, let's not let them get away with it, folks. We have uh, – we can contact our senators and tell them, hey, um, Cinema Kelly, you said you would be commonsensical. You said that you would govern from the center. You know that you weren't elected because you had a far-left message. They try to be moderate. Gosh, if you listen to any of the campaigns for Kirsten Cinema, for example, she was my representative years ago before she entered the Senate – um, you would think she was the most right-wing, hardcore Republican you had ever seen in your life. Every mailing I got from her, seas of American flags, every other picture is of veterans. She ran as a conservative, even though she has a D after her name. And uh, this is when you can call the senator, be polite, be kind, and tell them, just vote no. You know this is insanity. You know this isn't going to work. And you know there's no reason that we should be pulling together our hard-earned tax dollars and sending them to New York State or to California or to the corrupt officials in Springfield, Illinois. So, um, yeah, this is the time to be a bit of an activist and uh, to do it in smart ways. And let the Democrats know you can't spend our way out of this crisis. What you need to do is open everything up. That's what the American people want. We want freedom. We don't want handouts. So, Let's get to it, folks. Uh, let's hold them accountable. We're going to be going to the last ad break of our show, and then I'll be back for a few more minutes. I will see you on the other side. It always needs to end with rush. Um, yes, I used to be. I'm a former 15-year-old suburban white kid, so yes, I was a rush fan. Um, I saw them in concert for the Subdivisions Tour, if memory serves, and that's the only one I saw. So uh, great shout-out from our fine producer here, and thanks for listening. Um, once again, if you want to find my work, and it's all brilliant, I promise you, uh, you will not regret it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, EXJON is my handle over there. I'm also on, like, every social network under that name. So meh, if you're on a different network, find me using that name. Editor-in-chief at ricochet.com, uh, a fantastic site with all sorts of great writing. I have to, uh, after this, do some writing of my own because I haven't written anything for today. So i got to get to work on that after dominating the airwaves of the greater Phoenix Metroplex. And uh, I'm also, every other weekend, usually on Saturdays, but sometimes they'll run on Sunday or Friday or whatever, uh, for the Arizona Republic. Um, I don't have anything coming up this weekend. Next weekend I will, so... Uh, and, of course, I have a podcast, the King of Stuff podcast, just half an hour to an hour every week. That's a lot of fun to do as well. So thanks again for listening. And, yeah, let's uh, keep on these people, whether the issue is cancel culture, wasting $1.9 trillion on fake COVID relief. Um, when we're talking about reopening schools, um, it hasn't hit Arizona quite as hard, but we still have a lot of, let's say, recalcitrant uh, teacher union types I think here they just call them associations or something. Uh, we got to hold these people to account. And why they why they hate us uh, after a 2011 the 9/11 attacks, uh, people ask why do they hate us? Um, if you want to know why the left hates us these days, it's because they know that we're the ones with the power. We can make things happen. We can institute change. And they like to pretend that they are in control and there's nothing you can do to oppose them. I'm sorry. 
They're terrified of people who do not follow their narrative, who don't do as they're ordered, who don't do as they're told. And that is the beauty of 960 The Patriot. Every day you get to connect with people. Whether you're just listening or calling in, connect with people who can make a difference, who have made a difference. And uh, we can definitely take this country back, uh, not for the GOP necessarily, but for common sense. Uh, we know what needs to be done. And if you have a lick of common sense, I don't care if you have a D after your name or an I for independent after your name. Um, people of common sense, you, your neighbors, your buddies, the people uh, who come to fix your air conditioning, um, we have more sense than the people in the Beltway do. We just do. And this isn't anti-elitist or anti-intellectual. It's just fact because for some reason, uh, the people in the Beltway have insulated themselves from common sense, from cause and effect. Well, we can wake them up a little by taking back the power through superior arguments. So thanks again to Seth Liebson for allowing me to guest host for him. I hope every single one of you have a fantastic weekend. It's been a great time with friends and family. And we, you will hear from Seth next week. And I hope you come by and read my articles, and hopefully I can talk to you on those platforms as well. Thanks for listening here on 960 The Patriot. Have a great weekend.